My name is Edwin, and I'm just so thankful to be here. I, 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 James had already told us, you know, first part of my sermon was to thank you for all the great work that you've done in Santa Maria. I know it seems like it's very far away, but we're right up the hill, uh, 45 minutes. If you drive like me, an hour and a half for the rest of you. Uh, but yeah, uh, you have contributed to foster youth uh, specifically. Can you turn me down just a little bit? Uh, foster youth um, specifically making sure that they have a Christmas. Uh, we found out when I moved here in 2010, there was a lot of effort to make sure little kids in foster care got a nice Christmas, and they still do. But we found out the teens, the year I first started, they got a $5 gift card to McDonald's. That was their Christmas present. That's all we could come up with because we were just raising money in-house, all the social workers putting their uh, money together. We had about 100 teenagers that we had to cover. And so to come up with $500 was pretty exciting. Um, and then I started uh, really praying about it and, and said, well, maybe the church ought to know about this. So I let the church know um, in Santa Maria, and then I, I let my good friends uh, here in Santa Barbara uh, Coast Community Church know. And we came up with $18,000 the next year so that all 200 kids uh, were able to have a $100 gift certificate uh, card to the store of their choice. And we've been doing that ever since. In fact, we've expanded it because of your generosity. This year, all the graduates from high school got a $75 gift card. Uh, because again, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, right? Amen to that. Uh, it's, you know, we just, Jake and I just went to a graduation party yesterday for this great kid and there was just this stack of envelopes and I knew in every envelope there's at least a $20 bill, right? And we end up throwing a lot of our kids' parties because they don't have anybody to throw them a party. And uh, so your generosity um, lets them know there are people in this world who love them even if they can't name them. So thank you for that. Um, it's exciting to be here. Um, I, I love showing this video at the beginning because so many times I think we, um, we believe we're stuck. You know, that, that change is hard. And it is. I mean, to, to change what, what um, I think it was Devin, what was his name? Destin, thank you. I've shown it a lot of times, I didn't realize his name. So Destin was talking about what's called implicit memory. So implicit memory, um, so if everybody would hold up their hand, everybody hold, go on, even in the back, great. And then put your thumb in and fold it. So this is your brain. So like if you turn your head to the side, this would be like your brain. Okay, and this is the brainstem going down your body. And so if we, this is the prefrontal cortex, that's the part of your thinking brain, that's what you know you know, that's your explicit memories, that's the, like I know I learned uh, multiplication in the third grade or the fifth grade, and I, I learned French in the eighth grade, you know that. Then in here is your amygdala, and that's where your implicit memories are. And so those are things you don't know you know. And bike riding is in there. Okay, it's the, it's the memories that are uh, bodily memories, like he was talking about. So. Do you ever forget to ride a bicycle? Right? You guys never heard that before? <laughs> Easy as riding a bike, you never forget to ride a bike, okay? So to unlearn something like that in the implicit memory is really difficult. But what I love about this video is it shows that, that God designed us in such a way that he created us with the ability to even change the things that are embedded in our brain and, and embedded in our bodies. And so when I start talking about fatherhood, you know, you're talking about this very intimate relationship from the very beginning. How do we unlearn some things that we maybe need to unlearn? Or how do we learn things for the first time that we never learned? Because we didn't have the kind of father that we needed or the kind of father that we had 
was not the right kind of father that we want to be for our kids. So first off, thanks for all the fathers in the room. Um, those of you who are trying your best every day to be a good dad, it is a tough job. I'm a dad. I got three kids. My son Jake came with me today. Could you guys thank him for being here? <laughs> Jake, Jake grew up a PK. For those of you who don't know, it's a pastor's kid. It's a rough life to be a pastor's kid. He still likes me, which is saying a lot. I'm surprised he does. But, um, but yeah, so how do, you, how do we get to that place for, for the rest of us who maybe grew up in a home where dads weren't really that great or weren't present? How do we, how do we redeem that name of fatherhood? See, it really dawned on me. It was funny. About uh, a day before James called me, uh, a youth pastor texted me. Her name is Emily. And um, she's been actually the youth pastor at the Nazarene Church in town, and now she's out on her own doing an independent ministry. And she's been doing Jesus Club at our junior high. And our junior high is about 700 kids, 800 kids. No, about 1,200 kids, sorry, at our junior high, Tommy Kuntz. And she started Jesus Club. And it got so big that they have to meet outside. There's like 300 kids that show up to this thing. <laughs> and it's just, a, it's just a real testament. She's got the heart for the broken. I mean, all the, all the square pegs, all the, all the missing pieces, she's there with those kids. And so she's texting me saying, Edwin, these kids are asking these questions. I don't know how to answer them. How do I answer them? And I'm like, okay, uh, I can't come right now in the middle of a meeting. So she, she came over with, a, with some cameras, and, we, and we just, she asked me these questions. She's going to put it up online. And the first question she asked me was from this little girl in junior high was, how do I know my dad loves me? Because three years ago he walked out, and I haven't heard from him since. That is not a question. <laughs> that is a statement, right? I mean, how, how, do, how do we answer that question? Uh, first off, you know, it's, it's, it's not fair that she has to try to answer that question at age 12 and 13. But it's, it's a testament to development, right? Because that's when you start asking these bigger questions like, where do I fit in the world? And do, does God exist? And why is the sky blue instead of green? And all these crazy questions. Why does my dad love me? And I, and I, and I was thinking about that question um, because uh, my question, I had the same one when I was her age. My question would have been, how do I know my dad loves me? Because he never talks about it. Right? He's never said it. Um, I know that's a common thing for my, maybe my generation for having dads who didn't say that. You know, when we, for um, many of us, uh, we, we don't know if our dads loved us or, or we don't know it. And part of it is communication, you know. Uh, there's a really um, uh, great author, uh, Gary Chapman, who wrote uh, Five Love Languages. Anybody heard of that before? Can we have the next slide? Um, so uh, I love this one. Oh, you can't really see it. So we'll go through it together. So the five love languages, it's really great for those of you who are thinking about trying to communicate love to each other to know that we communicate love usually in a primary language. And so there's words of affirmation, quality time, uh, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And for you men in the room, we'll explain it like tacos, okay? So the way... What? It's true. So the taco lesson, we're concrete. Guys are concrete. We need a concrete, like, what are you talking about? Words of affirmation. What does that mean? So, like, if you are a words for affirmation, you go, um, you would say something, your, your tacos are delicious. That's words of affirmation. Or if uh, acts of service, it would be, I made you tacos today. 
um, way you would communicate love if receiving gifts as, as a gift is, here's your tacos. <laughs> and if you want quality time, we would go, let's go out to tacos together today. And finally, if, uh, if it's physical touch, let me hold you like a taco. <laughs> and so what we, tend, <laughs> what we tend to do is we tend to communicate love in one of those primary languages, or we tend to know that we're loved in one of those. And what ends up happening in, in, in marriages is usually you're not on the same page. Like she may be uh, words of affirmation, and you may be acts of service. So it's, or she may be gifts and you may be acts of service. So it's her birthday. And so what do you do? You get up early after she goes out the door and you clean the house, you take out the trash, you mow the grass, you do all this great things. And she comes home and she says, where's my birthday present? And you're like, I did all this for you. And she's like, but where's my birthday present? And you're like, you did this all to you. And then there's the problem, right? So, and, and so like with my dad, right, growing up, his was acts of service. He was... Uh, the great part of the great generation grew up in the depression and so he thought every day he was saying I love you because he would go out and he would leave the house at six in the morning he would go to work he'd come home at six at night and then he would eat his dinner then he would go down in his office and he'd work until 10 o'clock at night and then he would on the weekends he would work 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 that was love and it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized he was just communicating in a different way and so I was thankful to, as an adult to know that my dad loved me, and he actually learned to say I love you uh, after I said it like 40 times. Hey, Dad, I love you. Nothing. Hey, Dad, I love you. Finally, he would go, me too. <laughs> and then finally, he got to the place. But, you know, different generation, different time. And so that's not what I'm talking about, right? That's, that's just a communications issue. Um, there's still love in the room. It's just a little bit weird uh, because of communication. Next slide, please. And so, um, so but, but the problem is today, in, uh, in everything, and in, 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 in this little girl's life, is that that's not what we're talking about. There has to be some basic things um, in order for there to be love in the room. And one of them is presence. You've got to be there, right? And so, uh, James warned me that it was going to be a little small. Um, so, one, one in four kids today grow up without a dad. Uh, so, one in four. And so that's a lot. That means a lot of people in here don't have a dad in, in their life. And so there's good news at the end here. So I don't want you to be like, oh, Father's Day, why did I come? <laughs> this, uh, this sucks. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't come today. No, that's not this message. I'm just going to kind of breeze through this. But basically, we just have to kind of go, okay, with not having a dad is bad. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, there's some correlations that we can find to that. There's some things that we know uh, that happen. And so um, what do we do with this question of, of fatherlessness in our society? What do we do about broken relationships with our dad? Um, and so next slide, please. There we go. And so um, I'm going to read out of um, John 14, uh, verse 9. Oh, eight, sorry. So Philip, uh, he's uh, one of the disciples. I love his question. Um, so, so backing up. So Jesus, is he's getting ready to leave. Uh, he's getting ready to go to the cross. And so he has this big, long discord at the end of John. And it's, it's great because it's all in red, so it's like all him just talking, talking, talking. <laughs> Do you guys know his, his words were in red? 
Um, and so anyway, so, he, so Philip starts getting freaked out. Like Thomas says, I'm really nervous. Philip says, I'm nervous. And he said, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father that we, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, uh, Philip, even for I've been among you for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so what, um, and then uh, Jesus further says later on, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father. And from now on, you will know him because you have seen him in me. And so uh, when we start talking about fatherhood, it's, it's um, one of the first things that struck me was that Jesus took this concept uh, that we have that's all broken, all messed up, because guess what? It's not new. The idea that the, the relationship between fathers and their kids is not being broken isn't a new idea. I mean, if you go through history and you look at the myths in the Greek times and you look in the Bible and you look at the, the Roman times and all throughout history, there's been this problem of fatherhood and, and broken relationships. And so Jesus takes this idea uh, of fatherhood and being a father and he says, God is my father, which is not, not radical to us because we're so used to that language. But if in his time, it would have been completely radical. In fact, in the Old Testament, God is only referred to as father 15 times <laughs> in the whole Old Testament. <laughs> and here in, in John, he uses it like 200. It's like crazy. And, and so because, you know, if you think about it, what, who was God? God created the universe, separated the waters and the heavens and the earth, and then God was in the tent. Uh, before that, Moses had to go see the Father. And what happened to Moses when he saw the back of God? Like all of his countenance changed, right? And, it, and he said, don't look at me or you're going to die. <laughs> and then they stuck God in a box. And anytime that box was touched, everybody would die. I mean, God was unapproachable. God was somebody that, that was holier than, uh, the holiest of all holies. And now Jesus is calling him Father. And that he's the Son. And that Father is in me and I in him, him. And I think that the reason Jesus chose this is so that we could have hope that our relationships with our fathers and our relationships with our kids can be redeemed. That, that this... And so the answer for the question uh, for this girl isn't, isn't right. She's not asking the right question. She's, she has the right ache. She has a longing to, to, to have this relationship, but she's looking at the wrong person, right, to, to fill that void. You see, we as fathers are going to fail every time. Like, how many, if you get to be my age, right, it's like, how many times do you, can you say you're sorry? <laughs> it's like, I messed up here, I messed up here, I messed up here, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? I, I, there's this regret of things that you wish you would have done better as a dad. You tried your best, but this is what you did. And so uh, we're going to fail as dads, right? And kids, guess what? When you grow up, you're going to fail too, <laughs> as parents do. <laughs> and so our, our hope can't be in, in the person uh, uh, the, that we're biologically related to. Our hope is in Jesus and in God. Um, and that's what Jesus' hope is today. That, that uh, the God of the universe who created all things who, who, who's, uh, and who gave us his son um, can be that example. Next slide, please. Um, I love this in, in, in John. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That we are as adopted kids. That we are the children of the Most High God. And that I am, He is in Him and he, and, I, and he is in us. That Jesus has come to give us the hope that this relationship can be made whole. That Jesus has come so that this relationship can be repaired. You see, Jesus is in the transformation business. I love um, the black sheep ministry because they, they see this all the time. That, that he's not there to just leave us alone. And so that when, I, when I thought about this, this girl, I, I wanted to say, you know, I, I don't know why your dad can't express or be the dad that he, that he wants to be. I don't know why he's so broken that he would walk out the door and never come back or communicate to you. It's, it's not you. I can tell you that much. This has nothing to do with you or anything that you've done. This is adult stuff that happened between you, him and your mom. But I can tell you it's messed up that that happened and it's not the way it's supposed to be. And more importantly, that there's a God out there who wants to be your father. And guess what? This God never leaves. This God never turns his back on us. This God takes us and knows us from the, from, and everything both good and bad about us and he loves us unconditionally and he says, welcome into my kingdom. He says, you are my adopted kids. We're not orphans anymore. So that this girl has hope that God the Father is there. And what's great about those of us who are in the, middle, in the midst of being a father or that we want to be that father that we never had is that God can transform us. That if we will look to him to be our father and our example, then he can transform us. If he can help a guy ride a backwards bicycle <laughs> in eight months, I think over our lifetime, God can transform us into the men and women that he called us to be. So my answer to that young girl is the same as my answer to you. Is that, next slide, please. Is that anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. That sounds all right to me. That's the family I want to be a part of. And what is that commandment? What is it that we're supposed to do if we do his teachings? I think we overthink it, folks. I know I do. I get bogged down on a lot of stuff that I'm real sure Jesus doesn't care about. <laughs> Next slide. This is my commandment. Love one another. You know... Um, that's all this kid was asking. How do I know my dad loves me? I don't know. Actually, I don't. I wouldn't say he does because he's not there. But I know someone else who does. You got a youth pastor who loves you. You got a mama who loves you. You got some teachers who love you. And you got a God who's never going to leave you or forsake you who loves you just as you are. And that will never change. And that is the hope for all of us this day. Fatherhood is scary, and fatherhood is hard, and it's complicated and painful. So I don't look to that anymore. I look to Jesus and his relationship with his father, and that's where my hope is. And so be hopeful this morning that you are loved, that you are a child of the Most High God, and that he loves you. And out of that, you can be the greatest dad in the world, and out of that, you are the greatest kid in the world. So be at peace this morning, my friends. Thank you.
Let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this great reminder. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do just welcome us into your family, that you have called us your children. Thank you that, uh, that we can be assured of the depth of your love for us today. Thank you that we can feel the comfort of your fatherhood over us today. Thank you that we can look to you with complete confidence and assurance and trust, knowing that you're a father who will never let us down. And indeed, thank you, Heavenly Father, Father, that in you we see an example and and from whom we receive strength to be the fathers and the mothers and simply the human beings that, that you have called us to be. We long to find ourselves at home in your family today, oh God. And I would just pray even now that if there would be some here today, maybe even just one who would feel a little bit far from you, God, for whatever reason, or who has never come to the place in their life where they can truly know you as, as father, as, as daddy, that maybe this morning would be a moment where amidst the realities of their own life situation, that they would come to a new sense of, of awareness, a new, a new depth of awareness of, of who you are for us, and that there would be some here today who would begin to view their relationship and your care for them in a whole new way. Thank you that while some things take eight months, some things can just take a moment. And in a moment, you might be able to transform someone's understanding of who you are today, oh God. As we worship you now, Lord, just continue to have your way in our hearts, shape our minds and our response to you. We love you again, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.